House of Cards, Season 3, Episode 9 is over, but we're just getting started here on House of Cards, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are dressed in all black today in mourning for Doug Stamper's mom, Rob Sestrino <laughs> and Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Rob, we're back. We're back. Like the typewriter, we're back. We are back. Like and Doug's drinking, we're back. Everything is back. Um, Zach... I'm excited to be here, but I just want to get one thing clear on this podcast. What are you entitled to? Nothing. And what do we guarantee you? Podcasts every day about House of Cards. No, still not. Well, yeah, we, we do. We give you a lot more than what uh, Frank Underwood is willing to give you, right? Yeah. Yes. Or what America is giving you, but Frank Underwood is is saying that you can have you can have these podcasts. I guess you're not entitled to just getting the podcast. You have to go out there and subscribe to the podcast. That's true. You do have to do that. Yeah. If you are willing to go out there and subscribe to this podcast, I will get you a podcast every day. I don't care what they say in Congress. <laughs> yeah. No one can hold us back. I'm stumping. Yeah. I'm stumping. This is a stump speech. <laughs> it's the same one every day. You give the same speech every day, Rob. Yeah, skipping this one. Yes. Okay. Well, that's why that you were just back in your hotel room and uh, having sex and not listening to any of my speeches. Yeah, because it's the same thing every day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Except today, you, you missed the the one day that you missed. Probably not the best day to skip. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about here in an episode where uh, everything went to hell in a handbasket in that Jordan Valley. Oh man. It is. It is a nightmare over there now. Yes, things have really gone sour. Uh, things have gone haywire with Doug, who is now returned to the fold, or has he? And so we have a lot to uh, discuss here. Of course, uh, you could subscribe to our recaps of House of Cards season three at postshowrecaps.com slash hoc itunes, or you could also leave your comments for us on the postshow recaps website at postshowrecaps.com. So. Zach, uh, let's talk about this episode, episode number 35 here, right? Yeah. Directed by Robin Wright. Oh, I think she directed an episode last year, too. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, she uh, did. I believe it was episode, it was chapter 23. I don't have off the top of my head uh, what happened in that episode. Uh, I also saw that I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't remembered that she had directed episode 23 or chapter 23, but she's also going to direct chapter 38. So um, she has directed three episodes of House of Cards. This is the second. And I was looking for anything that was like, oh, this is different. But I didn't really see anything that really jumped out. I couldn't if, if I didn't see in the credits that Robin Wright had directed the episode, I wouldn't have thought there was anything unusual about it. I thought that we had a lot of building music throughout the episode, like very overpowering music, more than we're used to in House of Cards. Yeah. So I don't know how much influence she has over the music. I mean, I guess she probably... That was probably her style, but um, it felt like we were really building and escalating to something throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. Well, we were building. We're escalating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about uh, Jordan Valley first and uh, talk about what's going on there, because we had this very mysterious incident where eight Russian soldiers died and uh, nobody's really taking responsibility for it. And the Russians won't let us investigate it. And Frank and Claire are under the impression that Petrov killed his own guys. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of my first thought too, was, was this kind of an inside job? Did, did Petrov uh, set this up? So, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like he did to me. Yeah, what's Petrov's play here? Like, he decided to, it seemed like that nobody was making him send 300 troops in the previous episode or two episodes ago uh, into the Jordan Valley. And then all of a sudden, he would decide to kill eight of those guys just so he could say, you see, you see, I'm out. That's it. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's poisoning the well. He uh, he realized he couldn't fight this plan anymore, so he said he was going to go along with it, and then uh, potentially from from behind, he's going to come in, sacrifice his own men, and say, you know, this is, this is why it was wrong. We shouldn't have done this in the first place. Okay, let me ask you a question that I asked you way back. I believe it might have been uh, the third chapter of the season. Is Petrov the big bad of season three of House of Cards? I mean, it seems like, I mean, we've gone back to Petrov a lot. I don't think we really, I mean, I I don't know. Is Dunbar more the big bad of season three? No, because I think that Dunbar is actually a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Petrov might be a good guy, too. No, Petrov is not a good guy. Yeah, probably not. He might have killed his own man. Yeah, he's not a good guy. And he kissed Claire Underwood on the lips. He imprisoned, you know, gay protesters. He has all these, like, civil rights violations. So Petrov is not a good guy. No, that's true. But we don't really have a big bad in every season. I mean, Tusk, um, you know, for most of last year, but even that Tusk wasn't in every episode. Yeah, Uh, but no, he definitely was like Frank's chief rival in last season. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, in like season one, there wasn't really a big bad guy. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but but it's definitely he's definitely a villain to Frank. Yeah, Uh, I think he's the villain of the story also. Yeah, I, there's I mean, I feel like for Frank, there's a lot of people I don't trust. And I guess that's kind of the more power you have, the more people who are going to be coming after you from different sides. But um, I don't I don't really trust Yates. I don't trust this reporter. I don't um, I don't trust Dunbar. Um, so it, it I don't know. Frank's Frank's got to walk his back for sure. OK, so tell me about this operation that Frank launches, because I wasn't 100 percent clear on what the operation was doing. So we were going to send guys to go and sort of like parachute in and then like investigate the crime scene. Like I didn't really understand what our guys were doing once they got on the ground. And ultimately uh, they did not make it to where they were going to go to. But if the mission was successful, what were those guys going to be doing? Yeah, it was CSI Jordan Valley. (laughs) That's what it was. They were going to go and and investigate. Yeah, they were going to grab dirt samples and blood splatter and I don't know. I mean, I guess they were I think dirt samples actually probably was a big part of it because they were going to try to figure out where did this explosion come from and uh, and who who set this up. So couldn't we have sent like a Mars rover in? <laughs> Mars, yeah, maybe <laughs> Jordan Jordan Valley rover. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems I this does not sound like a great plan, like on paper, like you would imagine, like if the Russians aren't letting anybody in there, how are our guys going to sneak in? Yeah, I think I I don't understand why the why the other countries that are part of this this uh, resolution aren't saying, well, we want to get in there. We want to we want to check that out. Like Russia, step back. Let us investigate. Yeah. And why are we the only ones who are who are really pushing this? Well, I think we're the only people that have this theory. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's I mean, Israel is part of this resolution. Palestine. There's a lot of different groups that are uh, that are stakeholders in this resolution. So, yeah. And so ultimately, we end up having uh, three people wounded and one person killed in action. One of our uh, troops was killed in this operation. And we saw at the end of the episode, Frank goes back to the typewriter, the the same typewriter that he used at the end of season two to write that letter 
which ends up getting uh, President Walker to, uh, you know, decide that he can trust him again. And so he ends up writing this letter to the family of the person that got killed and he signs it with the pen. And we see like a real emphasis on the pen. Now, Zach, you have said during this season that you feel like that there is a cursed pen in this season. Are you still buying the cursed pen theory? And if so, what is the significance? I mean, I could I could see the cursed pen. I don't know if this is the same pen that we saw him use earlier in the season. Oh, I think it has to be. I think you, it must think be so? because there's no point in, in putting the emphasis on the pen. Now, in the letter, they call what happened a training exercise. Do you think that maybe what we will see is that then it will come to light that this was not a training exercise and that this will be some sort of another major scandal? For oh, Frank? big scandal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, and, and, you know, we see the typewriter again where where Frank lied to Walker to get his trust. And, and Frank is lying in this letter to the family of the victim. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like this seems like a little bit of a white lie of that it, it was a training exercise versus it was a covert operation. I mean, Frank can't really say like, uh, yeah, we were moving unilaterally and we were doing something that we weren't supposed to be doing in the first place. And that's how your loved one got killed. Like, I mean, I think that if you were the family, like I almost feel like I'd rather my loved one died in like some operation that was like for something important than a training exercise. Yeah. But I'm sure that that type of lie happens all the time. I mean, there's a lot of covert operations that people die during and soldiers die during and and we we don't hear what those operations are because of we need these secrets. So. Yeah. So I'm not sure who is going to blow this up. Is it Petrov that's going to come out and say that, you know, uh, Frank, because of Frank, an American soldier died, or if it's one of his political opponents are going to come out and expose this like a Dunbar and say, uh, you know, the president is doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Or how about this? Okay. And I see, I feel like uh, sometimes talking these things through, could it be our own Jackie Sharp, who has said on an occasion that she is against any sort of this military action. She doesn't like this sort of thing. Could Jackie be the one who is going to make a big deal out of this? Oh, that, I like that. Um, I was thinking maybe Kate Baldwin. Kate Baldwin also. I mean, that's and that's kind of what I'm saying is Frank's got a lot of people kind of coming after him for all these different angles. He's got a lot of opponents right now. Yeah, well... Uh, Kate is too busy uh, <laughs> with uh, between hanging out with Yates and also uh, trying to uncover this whole campaign finance scandal. Yeah, she's she's very distracted. Yes, she's very distracted with a lot of with a lot of things. Yeah, she's she's pulling a Ferris Bueller and skipping out on work. <laughs> yes, and boy, Kate and Yates. Uh, what are we calling them? I think we we're just calling them Kates. Kates. Uh, Kates is happening. Yeah, it's it's I mean, she's leaving him at her apartment all alone and, and saying just lock up when you leave. She, she trusts him. And uh, we learned a little bit more about Kate this episode, too. Yeah, we definitely we learned uh, quite a bit about her. Now, the character of Yates. Now, a lot of people I did not make this connection, but I've heard from a, a couple of people on Twitter and on social media. Uh, Alex Wilpon in particular uh, have pointed out that the actor who plays Yates is the same actor who played, I believe Mickey was his character name on Boardwalk Empire. Mm, I haven't watched Boardwalk Empire, but yes. I did. I did see people uh, mentioning that. Yes. And on Boardwalk Empire, his character talked with like this ridiculous voice. So he like, 
Okay, uh, Nucky, so what's going on over here? <laughs> like, he talked like that oh, on Boardwalk <laughs> Empire. Uh, so it is very fun. I didn't recognize him. Uh, one, he has like a beard uh, and his hair is all crazy. But uh, it's very funny now that once you make that connection, it's hard to not see him like that. Oh, man. But he's like not, he doesn't have a weird voice on this. At least not yet. Maybe maybe he'll go under uh, some investigating and, and have, a, have a weird voice or something. Yeah. Bring that out. Yes. So uh, that's that's very fun. So, uh, Kate, where where is this ultimately going? I mean, do you th- I don't know. I, like at first I thought maybe she was using him to get information. But I think that they, they both are, are pretty into each other. And um, uh, Frank is eventually going to find out about this. Oh, right? Yeah. 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 His head's going to explode because he purposely did not call on Kate Baldwin during the press conference. And then Kate Baldwin's friend like did her a solid where she's like, okay, you raise your hand. And then she was like, uh, the friend, like, uh, I forget the woman's name and Frank Underwood called on her. And she's like, yes, uh, Kate and I both have a question. She's like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> President Underwood, like, cause he's not calling on her. Yeah. That, I really liked that scene. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a really cool way for her to do it. And then, and then I liked Frank's response to her. He says, does anybody else have a question for a friend they'd like to ask? <laughs> yeah, I like all these press conference scenes. I feel like that's a cool set that they have. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of explain what's going on and, and not just come right out and, and say it. You know, it's not too exposition-y, but it yeah. works really well. No, it's very fun. I like all those uh, scenes. And I feel like it's odd that, um, you know, the president picks the, what people, he, what questions he wants to answer. It's not like the press secretary picks people out. Yeah, and every time he's done with a question, every single hand in the audience shoots up and everybody's, Mr. President, Mr. President. Yes, yes. Um, so that that's all um, very interesting and, and, and fun. I hope we get some more of that uh, as we go along the way. All right. Let's talk about uh, this Doug stuff. Now, I believe as we both uh, correctly predicted that we felt like uh, this was going to be around the time we'd see the return of Rachel. But neither of us thought that the return of Rachel would be in the form of her being dead. Yeah. I mean, do you think she's dead? <sighs> Boy. I don't know. Like, I just go back to this. Like, just like we talked about with Mendoza in the last episode. Like, what happened? Like, did the actress that played Rachel, like, be like, yeah, I'm not doing it. Um, yeah. It just seems like very out of nowhere that this would be where where it happened. Like, I don't know why I think this on House of Cards and not really on a lot of other shows. But it just does feel like uh, all of a sudden, wait, Rachel is dead? Why do we, why, why couldn't we have found that out? Uh, it, it's, it almost felt like, like there was a story for her that was supposed to happen. And then it's like, instead of that, we get this. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, <clears throat> the way the, the season is released, how it's all released at one, you just kind of assume that it's all created as one piece, which it is. But, you know, regular TV shows, when something like this happens, it's just kind of like, okay, that's where the story went. You know, it's, it, it, I don't know. It, it's definitely feels different when, when we just kind of drop a storyline or drop a character on House of Cards like this. Okay. The actress's name uh, is actually Rachel. I saw that. I saw that in the credits. <laughs> uh, Rachel Brosnahan. And I'm trying to see what else that she's done. Uh, that she has done uh, House of Cards. And other than that, um, I don't really see her. She was on the TV series Manhattan. But uh, is that canceled? Was that canceled already? I don't even think I've ever seen Manhattan. She's done uh, the, I think it was a TV show and it was, and it was canceled. Uh, she did the blacklist a couple episodes. So it doesn't seem like she has a, a ton of stuff going on. 
Yeah, but she also really wasn't that impressive, I felt like, in this show. I don't think she did a great job. Yes, okay. Sorry, Rachel, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm sure she's a big listener of the podcast. She's like, <laughs> when are they going to get to my episode where I'm dead? Okay, so what happened to Rachel? I don't know. If her body was dumped in a ditch somewhere, and um, she was killed and beaten. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, it seems very random that that happened. It does seem very random. Um, are, are we buying it? Could there be some mistake? I mean, it seems like all of the evidence supports it. It's like a 10-point fingerprint test. And I mean, it looked like her. And and um, like, I don't really think Gavin, unless Gavin just totally like is doctored and falsified these documents just so he could get his passport. That's what I think happened. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that, um, that she's dead. Yeah. It just like we spent so much time this season. I mean, we're in episode nine and we've gone to this storyline like at least in five of the episodes. Yeah. And for her just, oh, yeah, she's dead. She was killed a couple months ago. It's like, what? How does that work? Are we still saying that Doug is able to get Gavin what he needs or or does is not able to? Well, he showed him uh, he showed him some text message that seemed to convince him. But again, like who? I don't know. I guess he might have connections, but. Doug doesn't seem like he really has his stuff together right no. now. Well, this really pushes Doug off the deep end, uh, this whole thing. And so we see him like playing basketball in the bar and it looked like he was going to get his ass kicked. Yeah. Pop a shot. Yeah. I feel like the, the Doug, like the beleaguered, like screwed up Doug. I feel like he's got kind of like a Mike Scoopin look going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so stay away from the fire. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, we've seen all the things that Doug has done his research on uh, this season as far as in terms of Rachel. And he uh, ends up like going home. He like pours like bourbon on his laptop. That's not a good idea. He threw his bourbon on the laptop. I was like, oh, no, you're going to break your computer. Yes. But, but anyway, he tells concerned. Seth, he calls Seth and says, hey, tell uh, President Underwood that my mom died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is is that significant? Is it like, I mean, I know he was like romantically interested in Rachel. Is that like Doug has mommy issues? Well, that's a good point. Um, especially when we saw her like, read to me and stuff like that. I, that's not something that I had thought about. Yeah. I mean, I, I just it was like, why would he say my mom died instead of, I mean, there's other things I guess he could have said. I guess it got Frank's attention. Yeah, I think. But that was like code to like, I don't want to tell Seth this, but it's like, I know that Frank will know that my mom is already dead. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And Frank like played it off so well when Seth was like, yeah, uh, Doug called and uh, he said his mom died. He's like, oh, send him my condolences. Like, uh, why don't you get him in here so I could, t- uh, you know, send him my regards in person. He's like, send him some flowers. Yeah. Like, That's all you would do. Frank, you just send some flowers when his mom died. Well, he, she's already dead. True. But he if he's playing up like he thinks his mom just died. Yeah. I mean, just sending flower. I don't know. You'd think he would have done more than just send flowers, but. He invited him in to, to talk. So for me, I feel like this was uh, really where things got uh, very exciting for me, where Doug comes back and really back to back episodes after Freddie returned to the Oval Office uh, when to see Frank. This is really the first time that Doug has been back here. Yeah. I, and I thought, you know, throughout this episode, we kind of see Remy not being that good at his job. I thought Doug was going to come in and and really show the president what he's made of and, and that he deserves his job back and then get the job back. But instead we get Doug at pretty much his lowest of lows on this show. Yeah. And we'll talk about how Remy is getting unhinged also in this episode. Uh, we'll do, do that next, but let's have this Doug conversation. So Doug comes back 
and he brings the envelope with all of the Rachel stuff and just hands it to Frank. And I was expecting Frank to be like, wait, who is this? What are you showing me? Like, I thought he was, did not even remember about Rachel. At no, all. he remember Frank. Frank remembers this. Stuff. Frank remembers. And so he gives him this stuff. And again, that's ballsy to like, you're going to give the president of the United States like uh, pictures of a dead hooker, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with all due respect to the deceased Rachel. Well, I mean, she she has a dead hooker, <laughs> dead former hooker. Yeah. Although we don't know what she was got it back into. I would imagine that she was probably back to her old tricks. Uh, literally. Yeah, literally. Uh, what is it? Running tricks or <laughs> yes. uh, turning turning tricks? That's it. Turning <laughs> tricks. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, he gives it to him and. He says, uh, you know, uh, did you do it? And I'm like, oh, don't even tell me. He's like, what? You know, and Doug's like, I wanted you to see it because you see you'd believe me. Yeah. Doug, Doug really kind of pulls out all the stops and, and got drunk. He uh, he tailgated before going to the White House. Yes. And <laughs> so, yeah, he ends up like uh, telling Frank everything. He spills his guts and talks about how he was working for Dunbar. Yeah. And it- as we suspected earlier in the season that he was going to Dunbar to be a mole. Yeah. Mole patrol. Mole patrol. That's right. And so he ends up like really uh, this is, I, I want to get into this. So he ends up telling Frank, like, I'm drunk. I'm drunk right now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sad. I mean, like he was in bad shape for sure. He really was. And, and then he ends up like putting his head into Frank Underwood's lap. Yeah. It was, I mean, you know, we talked about, does he have mommy issues? Like, is he looking at Frank like a father figure? We've never seen or heard about Doug's father. We've seen the rest of his family. See his brother, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that there was so much going on here where he's putting his head onto uh, Frank's lap and, you know, he's almost like throwing himself at Frank's uh, feet, like, take me back in, take me back. And... I thought it was very interesting that so Frank calls in Meacham and again, here's Meacham, another guy who loves Frank uh, and loves him unconditionally. And so Meacham walks into the room with Doug's head in Frank Underwood's lap. Um, Do you think, I mean, is there, is there potentially some jealousy between Meacham towards Doug. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we saw that with Yates too, where we saw the rivalry between Yates and Meacham. Um, and, and I kind of look at this almost like, like, have you ever seen The Master, the movie The Master? No, I have not. So it's about like the the cult and like Scientology yes, type yes. cult. And it's it's the same type of thing where you have this this figurehead and then all of these people who just worship him. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like we're seeing that with Meacham, with... Um, with Doug, he has kind of his flock that that is around him. And so this was like, it's okay. You know, he's a real kind of father figure to Doug. Yeah. Doug ends up saying to Frank Underwood, I'm not Peter Russo. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to go like, like Peter Russo. I won't did. go like he did. What did he mean by like that? What did he mean? So I was trying to figure out if he meant like, I'm not going to let you destroy me, Frank. Yeah. Because, because I mean, Doug knows what happened to Russo. He knows what Frank did. He knows all too well. Yeah. Yeah. Or does he mean it like how the public thinks Pete Russo did that he fell off the wagon and killed himself? I don't know. I felt like if you think you can just get rid of me, you can't. Like that was like a big threat. 
I almost feel like that was the key. That was what he was saying. Yeah. I mean, like it's one of those things that only those two really, I mean, I think those are the only two people who know what actually happened to Pete Russo. Yeah. I'm not like Pete Russo. Yeah. And uh, call out for Pete Russo. Yeah. We haven't forgotten about him. We haven't forgot about him. And, you know, Frank says, uh, no, you won't. You're going to get better, Doug. I promise you that. But it's like in his, in his like lying voice, you know? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Frank wants to happen to Doug. Do you think he, he legitimately cares about Doug? I think hmm, this could go either way. It really could. Because so he gets Meacham in there and he tells Meacham, go take care of Doug. Now, his next move is that he calls up Dunbar and he gets on the phone to Dunbar and he's like, how dare you bring in my friend Doug Stamper, that he's a good friend of mine and you tried to take advantage of him. He's in no shape for all of this. Yeah, so he, he uses it against Dunbar really hard. Do you think, again, we brought up the Pete Russo thing. Do you think Frank, you know, rubs out Doug, makes it look like a suicide, makes it look like Doug drank himself to death or, or, or worse or whatever, and then says uh, that my good uh, associate and colleague, Doug Stamper, that he was uh, put into, that he was not well mentally, and then Miss Dunbar, she put him to work, and the stress of working for Dunbar drove this man to suicide. I don't think we're going to see that exactly happen, but I mean, I could see him using it as, as a way that Dunbar pushed him too hard. Uh, I just, I don't think we're going to see a, a suicide or fake suicide from Doug. Or was it that, does Frank Underwood legitimately care about Dun- about Doug so much that he calls up Dunbar and says, I will put you in the ground? Yeah, he said, I will put you in your effing grave. Yeah, in the, in the grave. It was, I mean, that was a, and then he hangs up on her, I think, after that. Yeah. Um, and, and she looked pretty rattled. Well, a little bit, but then she went back to uh, Mr. Harlan, uh, the food processor. Yeah, the food processing king of Iowa. Of Iowa. Yeah. Um, all right. So is that like the sausage king of Chicago? Yeah, exactly. It's just the Iowa version. <laughs> yes. All right. So what do you think? Tell me right now. Was Frank Underwood sincere when he called up Dunbar? I think he saw an opportunity. This Frank Underwood. This guy's a real piece of work. Yeah. I think he was like, oh, man, I can use this. I can, I can you know, get a punch in there. Because um, if Frank Underwood is going to be the candidate for 2016, Dunbar has to take a fall somewhere. Like Dunbar has been almost flawless in her campaigning. Um, and she seems to have overwhelming support, right? What, where, what has been Dunbar's misstep? Um, Frank needs to trip up Dunbar at some point. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. She really is not screwed up much along the way. Yeah. But for Frank, I know his wheels turn so fast, but for him to think of that plan so fast and then call, call her up, it does seem even fast for Frank Underwood that he could see that many moves ahead on the board. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and you know, we've seen the chessboard a lot in this season. Yeah, that so, he's wor- working, that Doug is working for her. So then what he's going to do is that then he's going to kill Doug and then blame it on Dunbar. And he thinks of all that like in two minutes and he calls her out for it. No, I still don't think he's going to kill Doug because nobody else really knows that Doug is working for her. Like he's been working very behind the scenes. That'd be a much bigger story. That Frank Underwood's former chief of staff is working for his opposition in the election. I mean, that's a huge story. Yeah, but if he could spin it that she recruited him and then the stress of doing that uh, made him so distraught that he ended up killing himself. 
Yeah, I still think we need something bigger against Dunbar than just that. I don't think that's enough to turn the tide. Yeah. Also, he uh, he had Meacham go and destroy the evidence. Yeah, incinerate. Incinerate it. Keep Doug Stamper away from the incinerator. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, you don't think he's going to fall in, do you? Yeah, don't fall into the fire. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Remy. Oh, Remy. Remy had a uh, sort of a, oh, a wild episode. So it seems like uh, he was becoming a little bit unhinged, uh, even from the last episode where he was like really like, you know, telling Frank off. Uh, we saw him with Jackie. Yeah, I think he's very bothered, but he misses Jackie. Well, at first, in the first interaction that he has with her in the episode, you know, um, Jackie doesn't want to support the military action in the Jordan Valley and she doesn't like any of this stuff. And then uh, Remy is like, look, you want to be on the ticket? You got to get with the program. And then ultimately he says to her, like, oh, I didn't mean to snap you. The chain of screaming continues. Mm-hmm. Claire to Frank, Frank to Remy, Remy to Jackie. So who's Jackie going to scream at in the next episode? Mm, oh, her Alan. Oh, Alan Cook. No, Dr. Alan's Alan kids. Cook. Alan's kids. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> They're just trying to do their driving tests. <laughs> you know, just being teenagers. Yeah. All right. So we saw we got to set up this Harlan stuff um, that this guy, he, I guess he's a big deal in Iowa and he is what is it? The food processing king. Yeah, he's that is the perfect actor to play this role. That guy just looks like the food processing king of Iowa. They couldn't have gotten Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights. I mean, you know, maybe maybe he was uh, maybe he was busy. Okay. But this guy, this guy worked, I guess, you know, if they could have gotten like Dan Aykroyd, that might have worked, too. Or Rex Ryan. Yeah, Rex Ryan. Well, that, Rex Ryan a couple years ago. Not not new Rex Ryan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they have this guy and he's like eating like a giant like lobster on the on Air Force One. And again, what what a jerk this guy is that like the president has a million things going on, but he is wants to sit down and talk about, you know, uh, what's the, uh, the economics of food processing in Iowa. Yeah, it, it kind of I was trying to figure out what him eating the lobster reminded me of. I think it was Fat Bastard. Isn't there a scene where Fat Get Bastard is just like my belly. It's just like plowing through a bunch of lobsters, <laughs> <laughs> like eating the whole shell? Or maybe it's in. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. There's I, I've seen the scene that reminds me of this a lot. I, I just really love this. This visual of, of this Iowa guy eating a lobster on Air Force One. Yeah. And so. He's uh wants to have this FaceTime with Frank, but he's getting pulled into a million different directions. And uh, ultimately, he gets uh, really just like turned off to Frank Underwood. Yeah. And Frank, when he goes and sits with him for just a couple seconds, he's eating chips and cheese or pretzels and cheese. Yes. Like the total opposite of lobster. Total opposite. Yeah. I thought it was like baby carrots. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Baby carrots and hummus. Heart healthy. Yes. Yeah. Heart healthy. Um, so uh, when the guy is like, oh, Mr. President, I want to talk to you about this. And, and I loved it when Frank like turned to the camera and was like, oh, slit my wrist with a butter knife. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> like that just sounds horrible. Yes. Yeah. Suicide. That would be suicide. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, so then uh, that guy, they don't have time for him at the White House. And you knew that eventually this guy was going to get pissed. So he sends Remy to go like talk his ear off and drive him to the airport. Um, and that guy calls Remy uh, the president's chauffeur. Yeah. Could have just called an Uber for him or something. Yeah. Well, he, he wanted to put the FaceTime. And so uh, did you feel like the chauffeur comment? Did you feel like uh, did that have some racial undertones to it? 
I mean, I could I could see a little bit of that. Um, and I definitely thought that when he said it. Yeah, because then Remy gets pulled over by the police and then Remy is already like uh, pretty set off. And then the police officers uh, really, uh, you know, he's a very agitated. Yeah, that was a really weird scene. I mean, again, we had that was a, a scene where we had the music really building throughout it when he's driving him. And it's it's really loud and overbearing music. Um, and, and I thought, you know, why Remy was just acting really weird. Like, I didn't understand why this was all going on. I was kind yeah. of thinking, like, is there something in the trunk he doesn't want the cops to find? Or is he driving? Like, is he not supposed to be driving this guy? You know, because of they touched on uh, the campaign regulations a lot throughout this episode. Yeah, so, I found Remy's actions to be a little odd there. Like, I kind of feel like Remy, who we've always seen him been like, just totally like cool and collected and detached and unemotional um, for the most part. You know, he definitely has feelings for Jackie, but that's really the only place where we've seen him have like, you know, real passion and emotion. And it's like, okay, I got pulled over by the police. Let me just let them do their thing. But he was like, really upset and agitated. And the only thing that I can really point my finger to is if that he did take exception to being called the chauffeur by Harlan. And then uh, where you had the African-American police officer and the white police officer. Um, and then uh, did he refer to the, uh, the, the one cop as he called him a uh, brother. And then uh, they started getting into some fighting over that. Yeah. The cop said, I'm not your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there definitely was um, some racial overtones in those couple scenes. Yes. But, I mean, in, in Remy leaving to drive somewhere without his wallet, like, who does that? I don't know. I feel like I always have my wallet on me. Hmm. Uh, well, you know, maybe he just left it. He, he doesn't drive that much, probably. Yeah, I guess. And, and But he keeps the registration and insurance in his wallet. That's odd. That's, that's odd. like a Costanza wallet. Like you're, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. You know, on my uh, Geico, I have it on my app. Oh, well, what if your phone battery dies? Well, then I have to plug it into I have a phone charger in the car. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a app for my driver's license. No, it's kind of surprising that something like that doesn't exist. Maybe. Yeah. By this point in 20 later on in 2015, you would think that they would have that. Oh, plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Remy and then Remy is like totally like uh, going off the hinges and then he goes to Jackie, right? Yeah, goes to her apartment. And he tries to like uh, make out with her. Yeah. <laughs> he he plants one right on her. Like in like the lobby of her building. Yeah. I mean that not not really secretive at all. Again, the chief of staff for the White House and the presidential candidate are kissing in public. Right, in the lobby of her husband's building. Yeah, Dr. Cook. Yeah. Yeah, too many cooks apparently for yeah. uh, Jackie and all these kids and everything, and now her ex, her ex. And Jackie said she's actually doing a lot of cooking now. Yes, yes, <laughs> it is, it's very much closely following the plot of too many cooks. Uh, <laughs> and so, who is who is the killer who is going to try to break in to uh, the cookhouse? Oh man, sharp a sharp Dunbar. a sharp knife. Yeah, Dunbar well, is the killer, or yeah, is it Remy? Sharp- a sharp knife, not a not a dull butter knife. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Dunbars. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have as good of a ring to it as Cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think like they had this whole season done and then the Too Many Cooks video came out and they're like, oh, no, no, we got to we, scrap that. Scrap that. We got to change that. So they the plot line of season three very closely followed 
Oh, wait, hold, hold on. Do we, do we think that the killer of Rachel was the killer from the uh, Too Many Cooks video? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. And that's why uh, her name is the same as her character, <laughs> Rachel Brosnahan. Exactly. Like this is this whole thing has been planned out. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> it might tie into the uh, we've got the House of Cards Sesame Street video. I mean, <laughs> It's all coming together. And Frank breaks the fourth wall and sort of talks to the audience. That's sort of like too many cooks also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I think we're onto something. Yes. Yeah. And maybe because Robin Wright directed it. Maybe she's a big fan of the video. Yeah. She's she's watched it like 20 times. Okay. Um, Harlan. We saw him. He's turned off with everything Underwood. So he's uh, now in the Dunbar camp. Uh, where does this go? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that he's going to throw his weight behind Dunbar and, uh, and really campaigned for her. Apparently, he's he's a big, big guy that you got to have. Uh, you got to have Apparently. on your side. Yeah, all those lobsters. Um, <laughs> Zach, tell me, how much exactly does Iowa mean? I mean, I, I if I recall correctly, um, who won the? Uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure in 2008, Mike Huckabee won the Iowa caucus. So it's not like that is the end all be all if you don't win the Iowa caucus, right? Yeah, but I think historically it's been a very significant caucus. Yeah. So I mean, I, maybe not, you know, maybe not in 2008, but I would say over time. Um, and, and obviously elections have changed, you know, in the last 20 years or whatever. But OK, um, so on the Democratic side, uh, the winners of the Iowa caucus have been um, in 2012. It was Obama. 2008, it was Obama. Uh, John Edwards was second in the, uh, <laughs> in the 2008 Iowa caucus. Uh, Hillary was third. Uh, John Kerry, uh, he w- he won it in 2004. John Edwards was second again. John Edwards does well, I think, in uh, Iowa. Uh, yeah, he's 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 in with Harlan. Yeah, uh, Al Gore won it in 2000. Uh, Bill Clinton won it in in 96, but. Tom Harkin won it with 76% in 92, where ultimately Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton only had 3% of the vote in uh, Iowa. So Bill Clinton really, really blew it in uh, Iowa in 92. Well, so are we going to see, you know, we've seen Frank parallel Bill Clinton a lot. Is is Dunbar going to win Iowa? But then Frank ends up ultimately winning the Democratic nomination. Yeah, well, the last two, though, have been a little wonky for the Republicans. In 2008, Mike Huckabee won Iowa with 34% of the vote. Um, And John McCain, who ultimately was the nominee, he only had 13%. He came in fourth in the Iowa caucus. Uh, And then in 2012, it looked like it was a tie between uh, Rick Santorum and Mitt Romney. But Wikipedia says uh, Rick Santorum won it, even though they both had 25% of the vote. So technically, the last two Republican nominees did not come out of the Iowa caucus on top. Well, what's the tiebreaker scenario? <laughs> they make fire, I think. Uh, uh, they're not pulling rocks. No. <laughs> it's I believe it's a a food processing uh, battle. Oh man. Yes. Uh, that's that's crazy. And, and it's just Harlan who's like is like Huckabee wins the nomination. Yes. Like take this pineapple, put it into cans. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh look you want to talk questions here for episode 35? Yeah. Um, one thing that I did notice throughout this, and I couldn't tell if I was just like really kind of grasping at straws or if this was something, but we saw different versions of pop show up a lot during this episode. Pop. Yeah. So we had Doug playing pop a shot. We had uh, a shot on the Air Force One where there's a bag of pop chips. 
like mm. right, like very, very prominently in the background. Yes, but I thought it was product placement. Oh, it could have been. And then we had, I think, I don't know if it was Petrov or it was somebody, I wrote it down right when they, when Petrov was talking to Frank on the phone, when Frank was on Air Force One, and, and somebody referenced popping champagne. Hmm. And, you know, pop is also like another term for father. And we saw some stuff with Frank being a father figure, you know, especially like you, you would call, you would call your father pop in, in Iowa, if you lived in Iowa. So I don't know, maybe I'm grasping at straws there, but I definitely noticed that a number of times. Well, uh, of course, you know, I don't think it's that crazy Uh, of, of your many theories this season. I think this is one of the better ones Uh, because of course the season opens on a shot of Frank Underwood uh, pissing on his father's grave. So Um, I think that maybe father figures uh, are a factor in this. Yeah, okay, that's true. I don't know if the pop chips play into it or not, or pop a <laughs> shot. But all right, I've got an email here from Johnny D. Silvera, the great, uh, the great Johnny D. Silvera. He wants to know. Okay, uh, nine episodes in, and we're just three months away from Iowa caucus. The season is certainly jumping. So uh, just an interesting time note. So yeah, it seems like we're definitely going to get to Iowa this season. Yeah. I, I'm, do you think it's going to be the finale or are we getting there before? I feel like that's going to be the finale. I feel like Frank winning Iowa will be where the season ends. And then we get to maybe the next season starts like either uh, right before the election or uh, like at the convention or something like that. Yeah. Or Frank losing. And we end on a very negative note for Frank. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, and, and Johnny also has a um, interesting tie. He says Remy being pulled over is a flashback to Pete Rousseau. Yeah. Again, so uh, an, another Pete Rousseau reference. Man. Um, will Corey Stoll return to House of Cards this season as Pete Rousseau's uh, long lost twin brother? Or zombie Pete Rousseau? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, that he's a vampire zombie. The, the walking stall. I don't, I don't know. Walking I don't know. Strain. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, the strain. Yeah. The strain. Yes. Yes. Um, the last thing that, uh, that Johnny brings up is at this point, I don't see how Doug survives the season. It's just a matter of when do you think that there's any chance Doug makes it to season four of house of cards? I think so. I, I, I think that they, we almost lost Doug in the last season. People were not happy about it. I don't, I don't think we're losing Doug this season. <sighs> I will say, I think we, I think we lose him. I, mean, I just don't understand like what the point of him this season is. If he just ends up dying. <sighs> well, Maybe it's the whole, maybe it's the Dunbar thing. Maybe he's the wedge that, you know, he, you know, Frank is able to use to push Dunbar over the edge that, you know, the thing, the big thing that Dunbar has going for her is that she's like, I have full transparency. I am a good person. I'm not like Frank Underwood. And he's like, if he can just like expose her and be like, uh, you know, uh, Miss Dunbar says that she's not like me. Well, she hired my chief of staff and tried to turn him against him. She drove him to an early grave by making him an alcoholic again. Well, that doesn't sound like transparency to me. What is Miss Dunbar good for? Yeah, I mean, that's, Nothing. that's not transparent. No, yeah. it's a pig. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. So maybe uh, maybe that's what, where they're going with Doug. Interesting. Yeah. Well, only four episodes left. I can't believe we're this close to the end. I feel like we have a lot to do with only four episodes left. Yes. Uh, we've got to settle everything with Russia. We've got the Dunbar. We've got Doug. Uh, we've got uh, so many different balls in the air. Yeah. There's what a lot going Mendoza? on. <laughs> <He> just <laughs> mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never to be heard from again. Do you think we will ever see Mendoza again? Um, I don't know. I was hoping that the show would handle this a little better. No, than I, I don't think I did. think <laughs> something must have happened. I think he like walked off the set. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to like Google it because I, you know, I don't want to see spoilers right, for the rest right. of the season. But but once we're done with this season, I'm gonna do a little investigating we'll do some research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe at some point after uh, we are, are all done with this, maybe we'll do like an all email uh, podcast like a week after we finish, so that people can catch up and ask us questions about season three. Oh yeah, that sounds good. That would be, be very fun. All right, yeah. All right, so. Uh, we will be back. Uh, we need a hashtag. Oh, man. Right. Um, here, here, here's what I want to give you. About uh, too many Dunbars. <laughs> too many Dunbars. <laughs> All right. It's a lot of characters. <laughs> too many characters. <laughs> yeah, too many Dunbars, too many characters. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, we will be back with our next installment. Can you believe it? Chapter 10 of Season 3 of House of Cards is coming up. Chapter 36. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in our next part. Take care, everybody. 